Good morning, all. It's good to see you, all my brothers and sisters, here this morning on this Sunday before Thanksgiving. Um, I want to thank uh, my dear friend Becky for bringing her family. It's really great to have them come and be with us. They get the prize for coming the farthest to church this morning. Uh, if you came from anywhere else, like Margot comes from quite a ways away. And, but uh, anyway, it's really great to have you guys here. Um, did you know that uh, it's been more than 20 years now? I bet you didn't know this, but I read this just uh, a week or so ago. Since there was a large-scale plane crash involving a major U.S. carrier, it's been over 20 years. And that milestone is especially noteworthy when you consider that there are nearly twice as many planes carrying nearly twice as many people as there were in 2001, the last time there was a major crash. Since then, the mainline American carriers have safely transported more than 20 billion passengers. That's a lot of folks, huh? Crashes make the news, but we take it for granted when there are no major crashes. We don't hear about it. Of course, it is tragic when a plane crashes or dozens and hundreds of people are killed. We don't want to minimize that, but the question I've pondered is why do we tend to ignore or take for granted God's providential care when thousands of planes land safely every single day? Why aren't we continually amazed and grateful that God caused millions of mechanical and natural and personal factors to come together to coincide perfectly and to keep those planes in the air and then arrive at their destination safely? Did you ever think about something like that? I think most of us don't, and that's what I want to ponder here together this morning. Psalm 107:31 says, Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. A writer named Andrew Wilson wrote this. He said, The world and even thousands of Christians give no praise and thanks to God for millions of daily life-sustaining providences because they do not see the world as the theater of God's wonders. They see it as a vast machine running on mindless natural laws, except where our heart's rebelliousness and self-exaltation find a suitable opportunity to find fault with God and justify our blindness to a billion acts of kindness toward his defiant creation. Blindness to kindness. I think all of us have to be honest and say that sometimes they could say that, people could say that about us. We take a lot of things in our daily life for granted, don't we? Sometimes even animals notice this, like this particular cat who said, why don't you have a seat and explain your lack of gratitude for the dead birds I've brought you? <laughs> or this dog who has a similar complaint. So far, my barking has saved mom and dad from murder by 16 UPS drivers, eight mailmen, three Girl Scouts, and one sketchy-looking plastic bag. And yet they remain ungrateful. Moms know about kids taking things for granted, too. There's a throwback to when my kid ate whatever I made for dinner without complaining. <laughs> and then there's the advancements in science that we take for granted. We take it for granted today, but a single Dorito has more extreme nacho flavor than a peasant in the 1400s would get in his whole lifetime. <laughs> what G.K. Chesterton noted is true. He said, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them 
with gratitude. This is a week of gratitude for us, isn't it? This is a week when we're reminded to be grateful. Two things combined to give me a sense of direction for this morning's message. It started out with an anniversary this past Wednesday, November 17th. I'm sure it was on all your calendars because it's the day that the clouds parted, the sun shone brightly through the breaking clouds, and the angels sang hallelujah. Yes, this past Wednesday was the 25th anniversary of the day that Dave Troutman and I were ordained as elders here at TCF. And it was, it was the beginning of a season of peace and tranquility at TCF. This is not actually from the ordination. This is about a year later with the elders and the wives. So this would have been circa 1997 about, look at all those young people. Who are they and where did they go? Huh? But seriously, he said, no, really, more seriously, since I'm a milestone and remembrance guy, just ask Barb. She complains about it sometimes and then thanks me for it at other times. I remember things like this. And when I remember things like this, my thought turns to gratitude. I can't get over the privilege that God has given me to be one of the shepherds of this flock in this corner of God's kingdom that we call TCF. The Apostle Paul reflected the attitude that I want to cultivate in my life too. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning with verse 12, he writes this, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me the strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord Jesus was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. I don't ever, I don't ever want to get over the privilege. I don't ever want to take for granted that God has saved a wretch like me, that he has allowed me to be his servant. I don't ever want to forget that God was and daily is merciful to me. These things are true for all of us, my brothers and sisters. You don't have to be an elder to have this attitude. God has every reason not to save us. But because of his amazing grace, because of his mercy, he did save those of us this morning who are in Christ. And on top of that, he chooses to use us, all of us. What does Scripture tell us? You will be my witnesses, is what Scripture tells us. We have so little to offer God in and of ourselves. What do we have? We have weakness. We have sinful tendencies. We have selfishness. Yet amazing as this is, we are entrusted with eternal work. What an amazing thing. We are his workmanship, as we read in Ephesians 2.10, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's an amazing thing when we think about it. We too often take for granted what a privilege this is. We get involved in our daily lives and we take things for granted. Of course, there is a cost to serving God. Even a quick and cursory glance at Paul's letters to the early church reveals a lot of suffering. It reveals a lot of heartache. But it also reveals a privilege that far outweighs the suffering because we are his servants. We are his workmanship. We are objects of his mercy. We are trophies of God's grace. All of us here, 
We don't deserve any of this, but we still tend to take it for granted. We are a privileged people living on a privileged planet. When we remember who we are, the abundance of grace we've received, and the nobility of the task he's given us, it should silence our complaints and fill our hearts with gratitude. And if we can end our days amazed by that grace and grateful for what he's entrusted to us, we'll have done well. May God give us the grace to never get over the privilege of being loved and used by him. Now that sound we should have heard when I said the angels sang and hallelujah. Okay. So remembering 25 years of serving as a TCF elder was where I started when I was originally beginning to think about today's message. But then I began thinking more about this idea and I was calling to mind the many, many things that we take for granted in our daily lives. And before I knew it, I was thinking of so many examples. I can't begin to highlight all of them here, or we'll be here until tonight when we start hanging the greens. That, maybe that would be a good way to keep people here, James. What do you think? They can't leave, so you may as well. We've touched on some of this already. For example, we take so much about the world we live in for granted. I noted that we are a privileged people, and we live on a privileged planet. There's a book and documentary video with that title. And Steve, I forgot to mention to you, there's, a audio, there's some audio in the clip that's coming up. And here's a very short clip from this document. Anybody ever seen the video, The Privileged Planet? Some of you have seen that. Okay, well, let's watch this about three-minute clip. If I can get it to advance. This consistency in the laws of physics and chemistry has led many researchers to conclude that the factors necessary for complex life on Earth are also the best parameters in the search for habitable planets elsewhere in the universe. Most serious discussions about these factors begin with the same prerequisite, liquid water. All the searches that are being done for life elsewhere their starting position is a terrestrial-class planet with water. It is now widely recognized that the chemical properties of water are exquisitely suited for carbon-based life. These properties include water's ability to dissolve and transport the chemical nutrients vital to all living organisms and its unmatched capacity to absorb heat from the sun, a process critical for regulating the Earth's surface temperature. In liquid form, water is an extraordinary substance, and its existence hinges upon another factor essential to complex life, a planet's distance from its home star. It's like what they say in real estate, location, location, location. A habitable planet lives in what we call the Goldilocks zone. It's not too hot, it's not too cold, it's just right. And when I say just right, I mean just right for water. Liquid water really helps define the habitable zone. If it's too hot, again, the water just boils away. You just can't get condensed water. It's too cold, as in Mars today, it freezes out. Within our solar system, the habitable zone is relatively narrow, beginning well outside the orbit of Venus and ending short of the orbit of Mars. If the Earth were just 5% closer to the Sun, 
it would be subject to the same fate as Venus, a runaway greenhouse effect with temperatures rising to nearly 900 degrees Fahrenheit. Conversely, if the Earth were 20% farther from its home star, carbon dioxide clouds would form in its upper atmosphere, initiating the cycle of ice and cold that has sterilized Mars. The presence of liquid water is a necessary condition for life, but it's not a sufficient condition. After all, there may be liquid water under the frozen surfaces of Mars and Jupiter's moon Europa, but there's very little chance that complex life exists in either of these places. You see, contrary to what the Copernican principle might suggest, the recipe for life is much more complex than just add water. So, I mean, isn't that the kind of thing we take for granted, that the Earth is perfectly situated in the exact place it needs to be to sustain our life? Why is that? Because that's the way God created it, right? And those of you with sharp ears will recognize the voice of Gimli, the dwarf from Lord of the Rings, who narrated that clip. So it was designed for life. It was designed for discovery. It was designed, the earth was designed so we could discover these great things about the God we serve. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 tells us, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Now, we typically see this particular section of Romans chapter 1 as an indictment of unbelievers. And it is that. It says people are without excuse because God has revealed himself in his created works. But perhaps we should also see this passage of Scripture as an admonition to us believers to never take God's creation for granted. Not just the natural beauty that he's created, which we should never take for granted either, but the earth that was created to support our natural lives. Oxygen, sunlight, water as we saw in this clip. All those factors that make life possible. How about our bodies? How about our immune system? The discovery of how these things work and the resulting medical science that allows us to treat things when they don't work. Psalm 139, beginning with verse 13, talks about this idea. For you created, the psalmist speaking to God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Another thing, we just take it for granted, don't we? We tend to take these things for granted, except when they don't work. And when we get sick or we get injured, and then we pray. Understanding that because God made us, it's only by his providence and sometimes his miracles that we can be made well again. His providence in giving us understanding of his creation and giving us and informing people to create treatments uh, for sometimes cures of our physical ailments and his miracles. How about taking for granted where we were born and where we live today? Did you ever think about that? We were born into a country that's prosperous. By the standards of most of the people in the world, the financially poorest person in this room has more than the vast majority 
of the rest of the world. You think you don't have enough? You have food, you have clothing, you have shelter, you have most of what you want, and you have everything you need. We weren't born in India, where nearly 70% of people live on less than $2 a day. We weren't born in Afghanistan, where most of the citizens there have never lived without war. Pondering these things isn't made to make us feel guilty. Guilt is a terrible motivator. It's a terrible thing to, you know, kind of force us to, to move forward with anything. Guilt is a bad motivator. Thinking about these things is designed to make us feel grateful. Not guilty, but grateful. And never take for granted what we have. Why? Because we don't deserve and cannot earn such grace and mercy. Yet God in his sovereign wisdom and his perfect plans has granted us these blessings. And often too we take for granted the circumstances of our lives and the seemingly everyday random things that happen that could go differently and badly but for the grace and mercy of God. Even as I was putting this message together on Thursday, I get a call from Doris Eason. And she told me that coming out of church Wednesday night after our house church meeting, she had dropped her wallet coming around this corner of the building on her way back to her car. She didn't realize it was missing until she was on the way back home. And so they turned around, they came back, and she found it. And Doris called to tell me this because she was grateful to God that it was still there. You know what? I mean, it might have been gone in any neighborhood, but maybe especially in this neighborhood. That's God's protection. That's God's provision. That's his providence at work that she was able to find that. It could have been gone forever. And if you know, if you've ever had your wallet stolen, you know what a nightmare that can be, right? It's a seemingly little thing. Well, hey, the wallet would just happen to still be there, right? It didn't just happen to still be there. That's part of God's providential plan for Doris. The wallet was still there. God was was in it. He was in that circumstance. And so Doris gave me this great and timely example of not taking this seemingly random thing for granted and recognizing God's hand of mercy in it. Another thing we tend to take for granted is the advancements that have made our lives so much easier. Of course, we might first think of things like computers and smartphones. Used to be you needed a camera to take a picture, right? Now you can just pull out your phone and take a picture. Many of us remember when you couldn't have a video chat with someone in another town, let alone halfway around the world. Now you can. I mean, that's a cool thing. Many of us remember using whiteout to correct an error in our typing because there was no such thing as computers with word processing, right? Some of us remember when there was no whiteout. And so if you made a mistake, you had to cross it out or you had to retype the page, right? If the COVID pandemic last year forced us to quit meeting for 11 weeks like it did last year, and we couldn't come together here, even 25 to 30 years ago, we would have just had to miss church altogether because there was no such thing as video podcasts, which again was a poor substitute, but at least it was something during that season. But how about more basic things like electricity? How about air conditioning? It's cool this morning, but Many mornings, we don't want to be here without air conditioning. How about refrigerators and freezers? How about paved streets where horses don't leave their daily deposits? How about indoor plumbing, clean water, 
which we can access by turning on a faucet. Here's a good one. How about flush toilets? The flush toilet was invented in 1596, but it didn't become widespread until 1851. Before that, a toilet was a rather disgusting collection of communal outhouses, chamber pots, and holes in the ground. Anybody know what a chamber pot is? Okay. It's uh, disgusting. If you know what it is, I'll tell you afterward. I'll explain it to you. And then much of the sewage was deposited in nearby rivers. Yuck. So yes, we take the conveniences of our daily life today for granted. Every once in a while you, you hear somebody say, oh, I wish I could go back to the good old days when things weren't so complicated and there weren't computers. No, I don't think I want to go back to that. We take the conveniences for granted. And more troubling than that, I think, is when we take people for granted. This is my uh, daughter, Laura, and my grandson, Arlo, and this is Barb's uh, brother and uh, his wife a few weeks ago. Our families and our friends, and think of the people God has placed in your lives. I'm talking about parents, grandparents, siblings, friends from school, neighbors, co-workers. Just think of all the people in your life. Now, because all have sinned, some of these people maybe haven't lived up to or don't always live up to the dozens of one another admonitions that we see in Scripture. And all of these people in our lives are not always nice to be around, they're not always helpful or loving. And in these cases, maybe the reason we shouldn't take them for granted is because of the character that God is developing in us by having them in our lives. That's one way to think about it. But what about those people, and we can all think of these people too that we have in our lives, who are mostly helpful. They're mostly loving. They're mostly fun to be around. What about those who have a genuine ministry in our lives, who help draw us closer to Christ, who encourage us, who spend time on us, spend money on us to make our lives more enjoyable? What about people who love us despite our annoying habits? Now, I know none of you have annoying habits, but some of us do. Our idiosyncrasies, our lack of appreciation and affirmation. Do we take these people for granted? Do these people hear us say thank you? And do they hear us say it often? Do these people in our lives know we appreciate them? Do we say, I love you, and say it often? This is my part of my family. This is my sister's family. You know, we have to be honest and recognize that many of the most important people that God has placed in our lives are those we take for granted the most. Isn't that an ironic thing? The people that we take most for granted are the people that minister to us the most. On the one hand, it may be because we're comfortable and secure in their love for us. And we take it for granted by just assuming, maybe with good reason, you know, they're going to love us anyway. Now, I mean, I don't know that this is a conscious thought process, but when you think about it, I think that's at work sometimes. We know that this person's going to love us, so we know if we're not grateful and we don't express love, we don't express appreciation, they're not going to shut us out because they love us, right? But shouldn't these most important people in our lives be the one we take for granted the least? Some of the simplest ways we can show these people we don't take them for granted is to express love, appreciation, and gratitude toward them and affirm our relationships with them. Maybe show a little enthusiasm for the things they do for you, for the time they spend with you. 
This certainly applies to family, friends, and neighbors. It also clearly applies in this church. We are the fellowship of the saints. We are God's fellow workers. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. These are the ways that Scripture describes us. We have been called to walk out our faith together, to serve in his kingdom together. And in some ways, the things we noted a moment ago about family and friends and neighbors and classmates apply even more to our church family. Do we express this? Do we communicate this as Paul did to one another? We see in Philippians chapter 1 this from Paul. So listen, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. Paul said, I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Do we think that way about our brothers and sisters in Christ here? So Paul's not just saying, I love you with an agape love. Okay, we understand what agape love is, right? That's a choice. That's a choice, and that's a good thing. And it's where all of our love from one another should be based and founded. It should start with that agape love. It's the kind of love God has for us and the kind of love he gives us for one another. It's the kind of love that sustains us when that emotion is not there. And it's just a practical reality that we don't always have that emotional component with the people we love. But Paul also reminds us that there is emotion. There's feeling also included in this note of thanks from Paul. Paul prays with joy. He says it's right for him to feel this way about all of you. He says he has them in his heart. He says he longs for them with the affection of Christ. So just as we must examine ourselves, and we have to ask, I think, if we take for granted, we take for granted friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, and don't express maybe our appreciation for them, it's just as, or even more important, that we express this with words of affection and gratitude for our brothers and sisters in Christ in this fellowship. Now, I want to say that some of us are really good at this. Some of us here at TCF, if I had a nickel for every time I heard a thank you for even the smallest things that are just a part of my job from Jody McIndarfer, I'd be able to fund TCF missions for a year. Jody's really good at this. I've lost count of how many times Dallas Henry has affirmed my preaching with an email or a text or in person verbally. I do feel very affirmed and appreciated 
as a person and as an elder by so many in this church. Steve Sperber is constantly affirming for me the place I have in his life, and I'm grateful for that. Shirley McWilliams, I'm sorry she's not here this morning, she goes on and on thanking me for my geezer squad help when I help her with a computer or a tablet at their house, and she makes me feel like I must be a real computer expert. And that's until I come back to the church and I find some problem that I can't fix. And then I need a real expert, so I call on our unsung IT guru, Bruce. These kinds of things are why, like Paul, I can say with all honesty, I thank God every time I remember you, my church, and that when I pray for you, I pray with joy. That's why I can say with Paul, I have you in my heart. I have you in my heart. And I love you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So let's keep this thought constantly before us. Let's never take for granted what we have here at TCF. We've got something special here, my brothers and sisters. And I know most of us see that. Most of us know that. But let's not take it for granted because we have it and it's been... You know, we've been here for so long. Let's not take those things for granted. The relationships God's given us, the kingdom service that he's allowed us to share with each other, the growth in Christ that we can foster in each other and see in one another. And though so many of us do this well, and I think many of us do, let's not just rest in that, okay? Let's not get complacent. Let's not get satisfied because many of us, and I would include myself in this, we could do better. We could do better. Finally, the thing I believe many of us at least sometimes take for granted, if not often, is our redemption in Christ. Think about that. Some of us have been believers for a long, long time. 10, 15, 25, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Some of us have seen what we would classify as examples of God's hand at work. We've seen healing. We've seen restoration. We've seen provision or something else. Not just God's providence at work, but real supernatural miracles. And we're grateful for them because sometimes God uses them to reveal his loving character to us and build our faith. But there's not a one of us here this morning who is in Christ, a believer in his saving grace, who has not only witnessed a genuine supernatural miracle. So some of you are thinking, I'm not sure I've ever seen a real miracle that had to be supernatural. You can't attribute it to God's providence. Some of us might actually say that. But everybody here who's in Christ has. And you've experienced it yourself. I'm not talking about moving mountains. I'm not talking about healings. I'm not talking about anything like parting the Red Sea or feeding 5,000 with a few loaves and fishes. All of us here who've experienced the new birth have had a heart of stone changed into a heart of flesh. That's a miracle. That's supernatural. That's something only God can do. There's no providence that can bring that about. We've seen and experienced ourselves a genuine resurrection. The Word tells us what about us. It says we were dead. We were dead. We were dead in our sins. And God has made us alive in Christ. So when we forget this, what we are doing is we're taking this spiritual reality for granted and we're presuming on God's kindness and patience. As Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 2, verse 4, 
He says, do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Other versions say, do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance? That's kind of taking for, taking for granted, isn't it? Another, verse even, another version even says, uh, do you despise the riches of his kindness and restraint? So it's despised by comparison, right? It's taking for granted. The reality of our forgetting leads to the reality of our taking God's grace and mercy for granted. This is not a new thing. This is not a modern day thing. God has been warning people not to take these things for granted for millennia. That's why we read in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. And we read in uh, Hebrews chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to by us who heard. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Here's my paraphrase. How can we escape if we take our salvation for granted? How can we escape? Brothers and sisters, as we approach Thanksgiving, let's remember who we're thanking. It's interesting that our whole culture celebrates Thanksgiving in some way, shape, or form, but who are they thanking? Have you thought about that? We need to remember who we're thanking. It's not a general thing at all. Well, gee, I'm thankful just because that sounds good. I'm thankful. Okay, There are individuals who are responsible for many of the wonderful things that we take for granted today. But there is the one who is ultimately responsible for every good and perfect gift. That's what Scripture tells us, that we enjoy as his creatures, his new creation here on earth. Now thank we all our God because of this. Don't think of the things you didn't get after praying. Think of the countless blessings God gave you without you ever asking. Let's not be like this guy. Taken for granted. Bananas again. As we gather with family and friends this week, let's remember the source of all the good things that we enjoy and never take for granted our redemption in Christ, our gracious God, the many things we are blessed to enjoy or the people he puts in our lives to accomplish his purposes in us. Amen? Heavenly Father, we're grateful this morning. We're grateful for your word. We're grateful, Father, for these constant reminders in your word that we need to see what you've done, and we need to be thankful and never take these things for granted. Father, build into all of us uh, a heart's mindset that is thankful, not just in Thanksgiving week when it's front and center and we're thankful for these things, Lord, but in our daily lives, day by day, Father, let us be thankful for what you've given us. Let us never take for granted 
the people you've put in our lives. Never let us take for granted the, the things that we enjoy, the simple things, the uh, things that we get to experience, Father. But more than anything, Father, ne- let us never take for granted such a great salvation, the redemption that you purchased for us on the cross by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for this Thanksgiving week, and we ask you, Heavenly Father, to be mindful of these things as we go in Jesus' name. Amen.